0: Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hola, amigas. And welcome to Amiga Hound Your Shit Podcast. Today, I have a beautiful friend of mine. Her name is Vera Jimenez, and she is a superstar. She's very well known here in Los Angeles. She is a meteorologist. Yes, she is. She's on KTLA Los Angeles. Wow, she's a senior meteorologist. She's also a real estate investor. She's also a healthy living advocate business mentor, and traffic reporter. So let me tell you a little bit more about Vera. She has 20 years experience in front of the camera. She has learned the importance of maintaining healthy habits in order to look, feel, and perform her best on TV. She has also learned that physical and mental health go hand in hand. She teaches others how to age gracefully, by understanding the connection between the mind, body, and skin. She believes we can all flourish by being good to ourselves, our community, and our planet. Vera loves teaching people how to create physical and financial outcomes they deserve. With a diverse background in wellness, TV reporting, Business, ownership, and mindfulness, she possesses the skills required to teach and mentor those around her to live the best life possible. Her belief is that we only get one go at it this life and we better make the best of it. Wow, she's got an incredible story and I can't wait for you all to hear her. And without further ado, here is my beautiful friend, Vera Jimenez. Hello, 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 and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I am excited here. I have a beautiful friend. Her name is Vera Jimenez. You might have seen her on KTLA. She is the best meteorologist Hands down, okay. And if Thank you haven't, you have you're so yeah Of course, you're welcome, my love. And if you haven't seen her, you need to see her. She's on in the evening at six, right at six pm, six thirty, and then I think you're back on at 10. eleven or 10? 10 to eleven, and then eleven to eleven thirty. See, oh, okay, so there you go. You have so many opportunities to go check her out, but there's so much more to her than being a meteorologist. Obviously, she's a Latina. She's badass. She was born in Mexico, and I can't wait for you all to learn more about her. So, Vera, thank you for being here. Welcome. I can't, I'm over the moon that I get to have a celebrity here. <laughs> No
1: celebrity, not at all. You're a celebrity. Uh, The work that you do is really awesome. Maybe you you coach people, you help people, you inspire people. That is truly life changing. And and I admire what you do. And I just, you know, I think what you do is amazing.
0: Aw, thank you. I appreciate that, my friend. And thank you. Okay, we're two badasses. Sounds good. I'll take it. All right, my loves. Okay, so this beautiful Latina. I know you have a history. You come from a family, Mexicanos. You're Mexicana, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us all about that, your upbringing, because it's super important for amigas whenever to handle their shit, they need to really, it starts from the beginning of time. Right? Yes. Making decisions from the beginning. So, we want to know more about you. You were born in Mexico, where in Mexico, and when? So, uh, 1972, I'll be 49 this
1: year. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, my family moved here. So, my family's from Michoacan and that's where we're from. And I still have some family there, but most of my family is now here. We moved to the States when I was three and we moved to Garden Grove. We moved to Orange County. We lived in Santa Ana in these apartments for a little while, but then we moved to Garden Grove and my mom is still in the house that I grew up in. I'm the last of six. Ooh. My dad died when I was three and my mom never remarried. So you can imagine what that, you can imagine that six people in a three bedroom house with one bathroom. Wow. (laughs) That's that's incredible. Imagine Imagine that. that. Wow. So, So yeah, so we were really lucky because we had extended family. I had aunts and uncles. My mom comes from a pretty close family, so we all helped each other out. In fact, you know, my mom's little brother was a resident and a citizen. We were not. We came here illegally. We crossed the border illegally in bits and pieces, just like most families do. And eventually through the Ronald Reagan Amnesty Program is how we got permanent residency. But that was a really long and slow and tough journey. One of the things that they did back then that they aren't doing now, I don't believe, is they're making you have proof of stability for 10 years, which means that you had to be able to prove where you worked, For ten years, you had to have three people that were not related to you, that were not blood relatives, give you a reference. So, luckily, my mom was a bit of a pat rack, and she saved everything. We had shoeboxes and shoeboxes of check stubs for like twenty years. So she, like, honestly, we pulled out shoeboxes of of these check stubs that she'd been saving. Who knows for what, but she was saving them. And this is why she, this is why God told her to save them. And this is why she saved them. Yes. So, so you know, so luckily it was pretty simple because for that entire time, she worked at the same company. She worked at a small company that made t- wooden toys and she worked in a factory. And then back then, you know, in the, I would say eighties, if you didn't show up to work, you didn't get paid. So there was no vacation pay. There was no medical benefits. There was none of that, you know, if you didn't show, you didn't get paid. And she had six kids to feed. So guess what? She went to work every day, every day. I could tell you where that woman was every day of my life. She was never away from us. She never obviously got remarried. So she never had a boyfriend, always family. It was always family at home. It was working, doing laundry, cooking, cleaning, working, doing laundry, cooking, cleaning. That's what she did. She was one of those moms that, I don't know, maybe old fashioned, but it was just, she like understood that she was the parent and she was both parents. Cause again, dad wasn't around. So she was tough. She was tough. She didn't have a lot of patience. There was no explaining why the word no was all you ever heard.
0: Didn't, I think that that's a Latina, like old school Latina, you know, there, they, there's no explanation. I mean, I know I grew up that way. It's like, No. Mommy, can I go? No. Exactly. Yo lo digo. <laughs> oh, my God. Then you and I had some similarities there because right now as a mom, my daughter will ask me, it's like, well, why can't I go? And then I feel like I need to give her an explanation. Why can't I be like old school? No. <laughs> no means no.
1: <laughs> no means no. Did you ever get, Jackie, did you ever get this one? Did you ever get this one? This is one of the ones that classic, my mom. Yes. Oh my God. Did they go to the same school? They must have. They must have. It was that if you're going to cry, I'm going
0: to give you something to cry about. Yeah. I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Yeah, and I'm going to give it. you a reason to cry. Yeah. Or how about the one? You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hit you and you're going to, you're going to jump this high. So keep on doing it. (laughs) Oh my God. That is so funny. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. So that so that's the way we were raised, which is why I think you know I don't have any children, and this is and I always think you know I think that's why God didn't give me babies because I would have pulled all all that stuff out, and that kid would have been taken away
0: and sent to child services because I would have been like, wait a minute, that's the way I was raised. Right. Right. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, it's so interesting nowadays with kids. It's like. Oh my God, you can't even touch them. Like, it's crazy. I'm like, if you spank them, oh, I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell. And it's like, oh my God, it was just a little simple spanking so that you can stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> and the worst part is that the kids are the ones that are calling child services and the police on their parents. Right. Yeah. No, I know. There's a lot of horrible stories. But, girl, you being in this environment is what led you to who you are today. And isn't yeah. it amazing? Like, you, like, in hindsight, you're like, oh, I'm super grateful that mom was like oh, yeah. Because without her, you wouldn't be where you are right now. Wow. No, so Exactly. Six people in one house. Uh, I can imagine your mom going loca. <laughs> right. we used to, you know, we didn't have a washer and dryer. We, one of the
1: things that I learned about my mom was if you didn't have money to pay for it, you didn't buy it. That's just the way it was. And so for the longest time, we didn't have a washer dryer, but we were really lucky because my mom didn't have a car either, but we lived across the street from a laundromat. So we used to cross this really big, busy street to go to the laundromat. And that's what my mom and I did either Saturdays or Sunday mornings. We would get up really early and we would put everything in our basket and we would run across the street and we would do the laundry. And that was, you know, that was kind of like our bonding time. I spent a lot of time with my mom, tons of time with my mom. And so, you know, that's one of the things that now I'm really grateful for that I learned from her is the not going into debt, not going into debt for things that didn't matter. You know, like obviously if you were going to buy a car, if you were going to buy a house, then you would go into debt, but a washer and dryer. Oh no, that wasn't a big enough. That wasn't a big enough need for her to go into debt. And so that was one of the things that I learned from my mom. And so, you know, at 15 and a half, I I got my first job because I knew that like I had braces at that point. I had really bad teeth. I had gnarly teeth. This tooth right here was completely turned around. It wasn't even flat. It was like this really bad teeth. So when I finally got braces, my mom was on an installment plan and I knew that was like a big spin for her and I felt terrible. So I got my first job at 15 and a half. And I don't say this proudly, but it is part of my history. I, you know, I didn't have a residency. At that point, amnesty wasn't in place yet. So I didn't have a social security number. In fact, we didn't get residency and I didn't get a real social security number until I was 16 and a half. So I got that job at Baskin Robbins with a made up social security card.
0: (laughs) Well, honey, everybody did. You know, I, I have clients, you know, I'm an immigration attorney as well. And I had clients that would just get their social security numbers in MacArthur Park. MacArthur Park. <laughs> yes, you didn't have a MacArthur Park. You just pulled one out of the air. You just made one up. You made one up. Yeah, you do what you got to do sometimes. I mean, not that we're condoning that, but um, desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. Your, your mom had six mouths to feed and her. her. And so it's... Uh, yeah you got to do what you got to do. Oh my God. I love story. So you go to Baskin Robbins, you're like this little girl, 15 and a half, and then you get your residency. So then what happens after?
1: Well, at that point there was a definitely relief. Uh, And I think the reason why there was relief is because I could see that my mom felt relieved. My mom felt like now she could actually strive for something better. Now keep in mind, my mom is a woman with a sixth grade education. You know, for her, and I never understood this until my husband one day sat me down and said, look, your mom is living the American dream. Like I always used to say, like, why didn't she, you know, strive for more? My mom is really wise. She's really intelligent. Why didn't she push for more? Why did she settle for this? And my husband, Brian, sat me down one day and was just like. Not mad but I could tell he was really disappointed that I had said that because he said you know, you know and my husband's like white Irish guy from Massachusetts <laughs> i went down one day and he said your mom is the American dream he said you know your mom crossed here with six kids never thought that she would have that but you know my mom now like owns her house she's so proud to own her house and live independent She feels like she would always say to me, I never want to be a burden to my children. I never want to be a burden to my children. And to this day, my mom is 83 years old and still lives by herself in that house. Wow. Wow. And that was her version of the American dream. And because I think so much of my mom is that I think she could have had so much more. But Brian is right. She's a little girl from a small town in Mexico. She used to have to wear a yoke. After sixth grade, they pull you out if you're a girl and you then work the family farm or you do whatever. So my mom would get up, she would put a yoke on, food on one side, water in the other, walk it out to the fields, feed the men, water the men, come back and do it all over again. And that was basically the way my mom grew up. And so for her, she would always say to me, why this world, why TV, like that doesn't sound like a great job. Women have to do all kinds of crazy things to get jobs on television. What, Like, you know, meaning like the casting couch. And I would say, no, they don't. And I'm not going to. She would say to me, why can't you just get an office job, you know, with benefits and insurance and two weeks vacation. And I thought, you crossed the border. You brought me here. To give me a better opportunity, you suffered humiliations the three times that you were deported. My mom was deported three times. you went you suffered all of this, and you want me to settle for less than my dream. You want me to settle for less than what I know I can attain and i that to, that to me was where she and I would fight she we would fight because. When we would have these conversations, I didn't have the vocabulary and I didn't have the, I didn't have the wherewithal to explain to her that what I was doing was for me, but in essence, it was for her too. Because me succeeding and me, I was doing that for her because I wanted to show her that her sacrifices and that her hard work was not in vain. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so now that I'm almost 50 years old, I can actually explain that to her. But when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, trying to explain to her that, no, mom, you're not your daughter isn't going to end up on the casting couch. Your daughter is not going to be a me Too, you know, movement girl. You know, I you gave me morals. You gave me value. You gave me a good
0: sense of, of that so that you don't have to worry about that. Oh my God, I love that. You know, I think that oftentimes, well, when we are in our 2030s, I don't think, and I don't know any, personally, I don't know any mother-daughter relationship that is like super amazing. I think those are the years where you're like at each other's throats, you know, because your personality is starting and your mom is still in her way, but you're still not understanding her way. It's like you had to grow up in order to look back and be like, I get it now, mom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Every sacrifice that you've done, I'm doing what I gotta do because of you. Because I want to better myself and make you proud of me. Right. I mean, ultimately we want to make our parents proud, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, I love your mom. I want I want to meet her. <laughs> she's she's she a, yeah she's a, funny, she's a funny little
1: lady. She's my mom's complete opposite of me. I You know, again, my dad died when I was three, so I have really no idea what he was like because I don't remember him. But I can tell you that I am nothing like my mother. The only thing that I know now that I have from my mom is the work ethic. But I think all of her children had that work ethic because we just saw her day in and day out. One day, my my oldest brother said to me, he was so annoyed at my mom because he wasn't feeling good. He felt like he was catching a cold or something. And he was thinking about calling out sick and staying home. And for whatever reason, he thought of my mom and he got out of bed and he went to work because he remembered all of those days that my mom had gotten up and gone to work, no matter how she felt, how tired, how sick, whatever. He said, "I can't even call him sick because I think a mom and I feel guilty." And he
0: kind of, <laughs> <picked him up. laughs> <laughs> but it's true because back in the eighties, you only got paid if you showed up, right? And it's just a testament, um, the influence that she had on you guys. Yeah, yeah. work ethic is number one. So let's talk about this work ethic. I realize that you know you have this family that you've been working since 15 and a half years old, you have this influence from your mom, you have this dream. So let's talk about this dream further, because I know you've done so many things. But one of the biggest things that you've done is become a meteorologist. So how did that unfold?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to be really honest. The working on television was really not the dream. The dream was actually to work in radio where you don't have to wear makeup and worry about what your hair looks like and worry about what you look like because nobody sees you. You put on a baseball hat, you put on your glasses, you put on a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt and you are out the door and working and nobody knows any different, you know? And so that was really the dream. When I was growing up, I used to listen to Lisa May on K-Rock do the traffic and I thought, yeah. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah. I was so you know, into I was so into K Rock.
1: So yes, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now she's a really good friend of mine because we ended up working together. And we still keep in touch to, to this day. And I just thought, man, that would be a job. If I could just do that, it would be awesome, right? So fast forward years later, you know, I'm like junior high school when I'm thinking about that. I'm at Santa Ana Community College because I went to community college and then I went to a state school and then from there I went to another state school. So my professor, this is the early 90s and and my professor, Bud Little, says to me one day, promise me that you're gonna try to get a job in television because newspapers, I wanted to write, I wanted to be a freelance writer and I wanted to work in radio. Now, if you know anything about Medium, that kind of medium, it doesn't pay. Radio doesn't pay and writing doesn't really pay unless you're a big syndicated reporter or journalist and then you get paid. But for the most part, it, neither one of those really make a lot of money for you. So I thought, that's okay. If I can write and I can work in radio, I'll be able to put a living together and all will be well. You know, I'm not going to be rich, but I'll be happy. And that's all that really matters. So I did try working on television and I didn't like it for all the reasons that I knew I wasn't going to like it. It's all about hair and makeup. That's that's primary. And I get it. Back then, I didn't understand it. But you think about it. You turn on the TV and you look at someone and you go, oh, okay. That person does not look offensive to my eye. I'm going to stay and I'm going to watch. And then you go, okay, I, that person's voice does not annoy me. So I'm going to stay and I'm going to hear and then I'm going to listen. And you know what? I can sit with this. But again, it's a very aesthetic medium. So that's why the hair and the makeup is so important. This is why you can't go on TV looking like this, by the way, ladies. (laughs) So amazing. She looks amazing. So I knew that just wasn't for me. So I went back to what I wanted to do, which was working in radio and writing. So once I graduated from Cal State Long Beach, I just started sending out queries. And queries are things that you write to... Newspapers and magazines to let them know what you want to write about. And if they're interested in the story, then they hire you freelance, and that's how you make a living. So, right about that time, a friend of mine called me that I worked in radio, who had left radio and gone to TV, and he said, Hey, ABC needs a new traffic reporter. And at this point, I was already working as a traffic reporter, airborne, and in studio. So, I had the experience. I go to the audition. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Don't have any interest in working in television. He said, don't be a dumbass. It pays a lot more money than radio. Trust me, you want to do this. I went, I auditioned. I didn't get the job. They called me back six months later and said, we want you to re-audition again. I'd seen all the girls that they hired between my first audition and when they called me back. And they were stunning. They were like models. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So they call me back and I'm like, okay, well, can you tell me why you didn't hire me the first time? Because otherwise you're just going to get the same exact thing. And they're like, why don't you put on some makeup and straighten your hair? <laughs> so I, I. So I asked, what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? Uh, no, everything else. Just put on some makeup and straighten your hair. So I put on some makeup. I straightened my hair. I got done with the audition. And they're like, can you start on Monday? That was a Friday. I started on Monday. <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. And this is ABC. That was at ABC. That was at uh, ABC 7 Eyewitness News.
0: That was my first job in TV. Wow. Wow. And they came to the makeup. And here you are. (laughs) You were saying, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put on makeup. I don't want to dress up. I don't want to do any of that stuff. But yet you said yes. Well, I had to because
1: Jay was right. It pays a lot more money than working in radio and writing freelance. And I'm not starving. And in essence, I'm really happy that I've done that because it's opened up a lot of opportunities to do a lot of nonprofit work that I would have never, I don't think that I would have had the courage to do without that platform because As my mom raised us to be very modest people, very quiet people, you don't don't get involved. My mom was always very self-deprecating in that. She would say, you know, I'm dumb. I only have a sixth grade education. My mom always looked at that as something that she didn't have. And because she talked to herself that way and she talked to herself that way in front of us, that's what we picked up on so in my mind I didn't get to the point where I thought well if she can do it I can do it you know at that point it was well my mom can't do it and we're not smart people even up to like a few years like even you know three or four years ago I would catch myself going well I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed but and using like saying things like that to myself which you know It really damages you. It subconsciously undermines your mindset. And so I've gone to the point where I don't say that anymore. I don't even say I'm not good at this. I always say I am learning and becoming better at math. I am learning. So when we open the restaurant, looking at those profit and loss sheets and looking at cost of goods and looking at all of those numbers was very challenging for me and I decided that I had to change my had to wrap my mind around it and the easiest way for me to do that was to tell myself that it was a language like anything else numbers are a language and you just have to learn the language like you would learn French like you would learn English like you would learn Spanish it's a language so I had to change my mindset and I'm going to be honest the my favorite thing about Arbon is it really pushes me to do that. Becoming an entrepreneur and any kind of entrepreneurship is all about your mindset. Is all about handling the challenges, figuring out a way to overcome them, growing from those experiences and building on them. And all of that begins with internal work.
0: Right. Oh God. Oh my God. Music's in my ears because I'm all about the internal work because we've been programmed. Your mom sounds very familiar to my mom. So I know where you've gone. <laughs> I know. So kind of rewiring your brain with those messages of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not um, pretty ¿Quién te crees? ¿Quién yeah. te crees yeah. Right? Like who? Que la, 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 la reina y you know, like this. Exactly. Oh, it's like, and, and it really, when you're a child and you hear this, you start believing it. And so that's what you carry along the way. And it's incumbent upon you to do the internal work to like, get over that, break free from those patterns and to move forward in a very graceful manner where you actually can say to yourself, like, I am freaking good at this. I am smart enough. And and now they're I am's. As opposed to like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. Jackie, I'm not.
1: that's why the work that you do, the coaching that you do, I think is really important to the foundation of anything. You know, even in entrepreneurship, in business and anything, you need to have that foundation then to build because even if you're a hustler and even if you work really hard and even if you do make millions, you know, if you don't have the foundation, if you don't have that mindset, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall apart and you're going to lose it and you're going to have to rebuild all over again. And you will rebuild. I'm not saying you won't rebuild. You will rebuild, but you're going to have to go back and learn all of the things that you didn't learn the first time so that you don't lose it again. Yeah, So that's why that coaching that you do, I think is just, it's paramount. I think it's laying the foundation for this generation, for your generation, my generation, and the generations to come to understand that it's not about no anymore. Like you and I grew up with presumida, quien se cree, all of those things and the eternal no. Before I would even ask my question, my mom had already said no. So so learning how to get rid of the no's in your life and, and instead of saying, no, it's if I was going to do this, how would I do it? It's about asking yourself questions so that your mind starts to create ways, being creative and opening ways, channels for you to find a path, to seek a path. So it's not about the no, it's about Okay, so maybe I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So if I was going to open up a restaurant, how would I do it? Yeah. As opposed to, oh my God, you know, nine out of 10 restaurants fail in the first year and you go into debt and all of these things, which is exact, which is the, which are all of the things that crossed my mind when we opened the restaurant. And mind you, I've been saving for this restaurant since I was 17 years old, did not open until I was 39. So my, because again, you can't get a loan for a restaurant. So how are you going to open one if you don't have any money? Right, 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 right. Yeah. So So it's just about changing your mindset. It's not about, I can't do this because nine out of 10 restaurants fail. It's, what am I going to do to make sure that mine is not one of those nine out of tens? Yes. Yes. Uh, What is it? So how, what do I do to make sure that mine is the one that survives that first year?
0: Nice. I love that. Oh my goodness. Well, as you said, it's all with the mindset. I mean, yes, we're going to have fails, but you fail forward, right? You fail forward not backwards, failed and, you know, and just stay there stuck and uh, sulking because oh, I didn't do it right. Well, no, <laughs> multimillionaires, they suck out a lot of things, but the the difference is that they kept going. They, they failed don't run. forward. They failed forward. Welcome, amigas, to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. It's been quite a journey. I believe now we are on our 25th episode. Can you imagine that? I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would have a podcast, number one. Number two, that I'd be in 25 episodes and I've been rated the top 5% global podcasters. And it's all because of you. Thank you so much for listening to me on a weekly basis, listening to our guests here on, on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. And sometimes when I'm on here, I'm kind of getting nervous. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? And as you know, I've been an immigration attorney for so long that that's like my go-to, especially given the fact that so much is going on out there with in regards to immigration but what I really wanted to talk to you about is something that's been brewing, and I love—I can't um, believe that this was not in my life before. But I've been doing master classes, and I've had some massive success in in my courses with the Amiga Way Academy, and so of course I needed to do this again. So I created the How to Handle Your Shit and Live a Better Life Masterclass. These classes are absolutely free, and they are being held April 27 at 6 p.m., April 29 at 6 p.m., and Friday, April 30th at noon. So they're at various times so that you can go check it out, and it's absolutely free. All you have to do is register and show up. You'll find the link in the show notes when to register. So now what is it all about? What is this masterclass all about? It's about learning how to order the life you want, transforming the way you think. It's about community, leveling up one another on a daily basis, sending much love and gratitude. It's basically knowing that the way you were operating in life before isn't the way you ought to operate now, especially given what's been going on with all these restrictions. Some of us have been going really cuckoo, really crazy because we want connection more than ever. We want connection, and this is a beautiful way to connect. Come and check it out. You'll learn how to ask deeper questions so that you can live an epically Aligned life. You will gain more clarity, confidence, certainty, less resistance, and more abundance in your life. Who doesn't want that? So this is absolutely free. Okay, all you need to do is register and see me in the master classes. It's via Zoom. So you can watch it anywhere on your laptop, computer, on your iPhone, or your Android, anywhere you can watch. So don't miss out. They there will be limited seating so it's super important that if you want to partake in these free master classes they are at different times act now and forever hold your peace so I'll see you then see you in April love to hear from you and if you have any questions in regards to who's next on the podcast or you want to let me know who you want on the podcast what kind of interviews you want to hear definitely do that by emailing me at latinaslivingmacro at gmail.com. Or you can visit my website, which is www.jackietapia.com. Okay, so see you later on this April. Okay, I'm guys. So you started a restaurant, and then now you're also an independent consultant with Arvon doing healthy living. You're doing a lot of amazing things. And at the same time, meteorologists. So how do you find balance? Like, how do you do it? How do you do it?
1: You know, I think one of the first things that I, I think for me, one of the first things is the why, you know, I think that the three most important things that you look at when you're starting a business is obviously, you know, you have your business plan and all of that, but I think the foundation is the why, the why you do what you do. The why is what gets you out of bed when you feel overwhelmed and stressed and you have no idea how you're going to get yourself out of whatever situation you're in at the moment, you know, with your business or or in life, period. It's what is the passion? And I thought the restaurant was the passion. I thought that being in the restaurant business was the passion. And while there is a big part of the passion in that. I love feeding people. I love welcoming people. I love serving people. I, my favorite thing was to, you know, run food out and actually talk to customers. And you know, if they needed something, what can I get you? I mean, that was really my favorite. I loved all of it. I mean, I did everything. I washed dishes. One time I was walking out of the bathroom at the restaurant with a plunger (laughs) (laughs) because the toilet was busted and somebody was walking in and I was walking out and the guy's like, Vera? Vera Jimenez? The weather lady? What are you doing with the plunger in your hand? (laughs) What are you doing? Shouldn't you be on our TV? (laughs) And then one day I was sweeping the floors and someone recognized me and they're like, Vera, is that you? What are you doing here? I thought TV paid better than that. Well, little
0: did they know that you have this restaurant. So Yeah,
1: and I didn't say anything to him. I'm like, hey, look, man, you do what you got to do. And that was all I said. I'm like, I got to sweep these floors. It's looking yeah. bad in here. Right. So, um, so, you know, it's just about understanding the why. And for me, the why is, you know, the restaurant was really centered around healthy food and try, giving people a healthy option. So for me, it's always been about health fitness and wellness. You know, when I was raised as a little girl, my mom, we didn't have a lot of money. And every dime that she spent on food that was going to nourish us and that was going to be good for us and that was going to sustain us. Primarily because my mom didn't have any insurance, so she didn't have money to pay for doctor's visits. If we got sick, you know, she had to put together a home remedy to cure us. So there wasn't a lot of money. And so she thought if I give them proper nutrition, my kids are not going to get sick. Yeah. So we were raised, that's how we were raised. And so once the restaurant went out, I realized that the part of me still missed the customer service, the being of service, the giving people healthy options. And then I discovered this health and wellness company, first with the skincare and then with the products. And then I realized that the why is really about helping people on their health journey. Hmm. And that is how I find the balance. You were asking, how do you find the balance? How do you do it? You do all of these things. and um, Because everything that I do is surrounds my why, whether it's, you know, working as a Rotarian, working with the Boys and Girls Club, working with Richstone Family Center. All of that has to do with being of service and helping people. All of these organizations are about helping people like Now the Boys and Girls Club is doing a lot with food insecurity because of the pandemic and people are out of work and they don't have enough food. So now they're doing a lot with not just the after school activities and the tutoring and the paths to college, but now they're doing stuff with food insecurities. Rotary is all about, you know, they were started because of vaccinations. Now they're not involved with the vaccinations that are going on now, but we do a lot with like water projects internationally. So we do a lot with like literacy and food and women's health issues. So it's all about being of service and it's all very health related. You know, the Boys and Girls Club does the sports and the activities. And I think, you know, giving kids an outlet to learn how to play sports and sportsmanship and just being outside gets them off of the TV and appreciating the sunshine and the vitamin D and the working your cardiovascular and all of the things that are related to health. And so as I as I think about it, I realize that's what my life really surrounds. And that's why for me, this health and wellness business is is a perfect pairing. I don't sell it because I have to, I don't do our bomb because I want, yeah, I do want to make the money. And yeah, it's fun to like, Hey, one day I'm going to be a millionaire doing this. Yeah. All of that is great, but it's the giving people options and giving them skills and educating people on how to take better care of themselves and how to take better care of their health. Because I think that when you feel good from the inside out, it shows. And when you feel good from the inside out, you present yourself better in the world and you're better to yourself. You're better to your family, your community, your
0: coworkers, to the world in general. Yeah, absolutely. Inside out. I mean, starting with your brain, the mindset and nourishing your soul with proper nutrition. I mean, your mom had it like she had the whole proper nutrition, like making sure that you guys didn't get sick, but little did she know that you are going to take that value and run with it. Like, look at you. Like now, I mean, you're all over teaching people, being of service, doing mentorships. I mean, you are just an amazing woman. I can't stop talking about you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, and I think also to, you
1: have to remember is that, you know, you don't do it by yourself. You know, I, I had help along the way. I had people that helped me, you know, it's a hand up, not a handout. I'm a big believer in you give people a hand, you teach them, you teach them how to feed themselves and feed their families so that then they can become independent. Because I think when you are independent and you're providing for your family and you're providing for yourself and you can take care of yourself, you have the confidence to face the world. You can, you walk out with your held head up high and you go, no, this is me. I earned this. No one gets to take credit for this, but me. And when you have that confidence, people can try to put you down. People can try to discriminate against you. People can try to, you know, treat you as you're less than, but when you know what you've done, when you know what you're capable of, you go, Oh no, you got this all wrong.
0: Right. 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 Oh my God. Oh my God. That's why you're handling your shit girl. (laughs) 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 Like, like through and through. Oh my God. Okay, we can continue to talk and talk and talk, but I know that our time is going to end. But before we end, I always ask my guests one or two tips how an amiga can handle their shit. I know you've done so much. Oh my God. And there's so many ways that they can, but I want to hear from you. What do you think? What can an amiga do to handle her shit? I
1: think more than anything, as we talked about earlier, it's doing that internal work. Like work on yourself because, especially when you have children, these are things that you're going to pass on to your kids. Because remember, your children want to please you, they love you, they look up to you. You are their hero. Until you choose to stop being their hero, you are their hero as parents, right? So, you want to do that internal work because they're watching you. Mm-hmm. They're watching you and they're following whatever it is that you do. Uh, You know, the lady that comes to clean my house, her kids used to eat eggs. And now because she doesn't eat eggs, the kids don't eat eggs. She doesn't eat broccoli. So the kids don't eat broccoli. They literally mimic what you do. So when you think they're not watching, they're watching. So you need to work on yourself from the inside out your mind, your physical body, your mental, your physical well-being, all of that. You have to work on that because kids are watching and people that you think aren't watching aren't watching and they're picking up cues. You don't realize how influential you are and you know, what you do does matter. You think that you live in a little corner and no one's watching and that's not true, especially in the time of social media. So, so do that internal personal work, do that personal work because that I think is key to everything else. That personal internal work will get you above any hurdle over any hurdle through any hurdle that you need to get to through to do whatever it is that you want to do. A really quick tip, if you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to own a brick and mortar, pay yourself rent, buy the building, <laughs> buy the building if you can to start a brick and mortar business because paying yourself is the best thing. And in terms of like handling your finances, the first thing is always remember to pay yourself first, mm-hmm. always pay yourself first so that you have money for when a pandemic hits and there's a rainy day. And even if it's $5 out of every paycheck in a savings account that you use, even if it's $5, I'm not kidding. That sounds ridiculous. But if you save $5 out of every paycheck, you see that grow over time and just leave it like something lost, como cosa perdida, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Oh my but God. Goodness. But you always, always need to pay yourself first, whether that's through your 401k, through a Christmas fund, through an emergency fund, whatever it is. Those are the things first. Pay yourself first. If you're going to own a brick and mortar, pay yourself rent, which means buy the building if you can. And last but not least, and most important is do your personal development work.
0: Call Jackie. She'll help. You. <laughs> Mic drop. Oh my God. Yes. Those are amazing tips. Yes. You know, when you become an entrepreneur, I mean, it's, you got to think of everything, Right. You got to think of, okay, you've got your, what's it called? You got your income stream and then you also have your costs, but then there's more to the equation. It's just not that. There's way no. more to that. And I think oftentimes we think that, oh, we'll pay ourselves less because I need to uh, pay my employees. I need to pay the workers comp. I need to pay their health insurance, whatever it is. And then there's nothing to pay you. when we get hit with a pandemic that we just, what we're in right now, you're left with nothing. Right. And that's why businesses are closing. They're closing businesses.
1: Yeah. And one of the things too is like, if you're an entrepreneur, yes, absolutely. But I can tell you, that's one of the reasons why we had to sell the restaurant was because the growth was outpacing. Actually, the cost of doing business was outpacing the growth. So Mm -hmm. it was getting to the point like, never in the five years did we never pay a vendor we never not paid our lease we made sure everybody got paid that was the most important thing but when we realized that it was going to start getting to the point where we weren't going to be able to do that because minimum wage was going to go up again to $15 an hour or lease was going to go up again once minimum wage goes up everything else goes up oh yeah Oh, yeah, absolutely. The consumer, what people don't understand is that every time there's a minimum wage raise, the consumer is the one that ends up paying for it. I think that it's
0: a, a big, huge misconception, I believe, that when things like, yes, you like to hear that your wage is going to increase to $15, but guess what? The entrepreneur needs to pony up also pay you. And then his costs are increasing as well, because those companies have staff that they have to pay. So it's just a, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. huge cycle it's a circle. It's a
1: this never ending circle. And you know, and the other thing too, is that I think what I find a little disappointing in the minimum wage and not that I don't want people to make a living wage, but you know, when we're talking about $15 an hour for somebody that works at a cash register at McDonald's, you're setting the bar so low that people then become comfortable and they don't strive for anything more. And you take away people's ability to strive for more or to want more or to even consider doing more. You know, if I'm making $15 an hour and I can pay my rent on that and all I'm doing is flipping burgers or, you know, working at a cash register, I'm not demeaning that. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but you want to push people to strive for more. Yeah, like you right. want people to want more—not
0: just for themselves, but for their children and for their community incentivize In the community. them, incentivize them to be more. Like, just don't settle, right? Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, oh
1: you have—you know—people have all of this talent, mm-hmm. all of this. Energy that they don't even realize that they have that they don't have the opportunity to share. And when you're saying, "Oh, don't worry about it," when they're not challenged, when they're when the bar is set so low for them that they that people feel like, "Well, nobody expects anything of me because they're paying me this much and all I'm doing is doing this." Like, like there isn't a challenge there. You're not asking people to rise and to build and to expand. And I think that is just such a waste of human potential that it, it saddens me.
0: Yeah. I know, I know. But listen, amigas out here, yes, you need to implement Vera's tips seriously because we need to strive further, bigger, better because we deserve it. We deserve it and we're capable. And we're We're capable. capable, fully capable. So change your mindset. If you're not seeking growth, that's the first thing you need to change. Enter into personal development, right? Just work
1: in. And, after, and Jackie, that personal development, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, doesn't matter. It's going to help you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'll become a much better employee, coworker. You'll become a bigger asset to the company that you're working for. Personal development crosses a spectrum of lines.
0: So it'll help you no matter where you are in your life. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Vera. You are an amazing person. The things that you're doing, I mean, God is so incredible. You are using your platform for good. And I thank love that you're a badass Latina and many women here, amigas, you're going to relish in the knowing of this amazing amiga and all the, the wisdom that she shared today. Oh beautiful beautiful thank you so much Vera for coming here thank you in some time with me at amiga handle your shit podcast thank you for
1: having me it's a pleasure you're doing awesome work keep doing it keep inspiring us and you know keep sharing people's stories because they're super inspiring oh thank you thank Thank you I love I've been listening to your podcast and and now it's like oh who's going to be on
0: this week let me see what I can learn well you're gonna be on very soon <laughs> thank you Thank you for letting me share my story oh absolutely it's such a beautiful story thank you thank you thank you thanks for listening to this week's episode of amiga handle your shit podcast if anything resonates with you today please share it with your friends and subscribe rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player